to bonus episode number three, leading up to the rise of Skywalker, the end of the Skywalker saga. And today, I'm sort of going to go out of uh, chronological order a bit, and I'm going to talk about the two standalone movies, Rogue One and Solo. And again, I didn't mention this because I in the first two episodes because I assume by now everyone has seen these movies but some of the newer ones such as Rogue One Solo perhaps people have not seen so I'm going to talk about these pretty in depth if you uh, haven't seen these movies of course then this is your warning to turn this off do yourself a favor go see those movies and uh, come back and listen to it then now I'm going to start with Rogue One, which I believe came out between Force Awakens and The Last Jedi, if memory serves me. And I thought it was probably the second best movie of the new movies. And what I really liked about it was it ha it just felt like Star Wars, first of all. They got that right. They got the tone very right. They recreated fantastically, like all the new movies have, I think, the new era movies, uh, the lived-in feel of the Star Wars universe, right? Everything looks like it's been used, you know, except for the First Order, which always seems to have, you know, shiny brand new stuff. Everybody else is got, it's got a real world feel to it where it's gritty things have dents and dirt and break down and need to be fixed and whatever has that lived in feel and what I really liked about Rogue One I thought the story was great and then uh, it was very tight but the writing was tight it was centered around you know this one objective is stealing the plans for the Death Star something we already knew about of course from episode 4 from the original uh, what they call a new hope now. And this was going to sort of be a little prequel almost to that movie. And I thought the fact that there was basically all these new characters with, for the most part, little known or unknown actors and actresses, aside from some of the people who were reprising briefly that some of their roles, like Jimmy Smith's or... Of course, you see Forrest Whitaker in there and stuff as well. And the opening to the movie, again, as we've talked about before, uh, start in the middle of the action. And so you get this nice sort of flashback scene or earlier scene in the life of the main character, Jyn Erso, where her father, who was instrumental in the design, engineering, and ultimate downfall of the Death Star is attempting to protect his family and he doesn't want to work on the Death Star. I guess it's against his, uh, it became against his ethos, his ethics. And so, but, uh, you know, the Imperials and director Krennic, fantastic acting in this movie, incidentally, they basically force him back into working on the Death Star, murder his wife, his young daughter, I don't know how old she was at the beginning of the movie, but she couldn't have been more than like 
you know, six or seven at the, at the most probably. She goes into hiding as she's been trained to. Forrest Whitaker, uh, who plays Saw Guerrero, eventually comes and gets her out of the hiding spot. And then when we find uh, find her later, she's needs to be broken out of jail. Or you know, she's kind of a, a ruffian, had a rough life, and uh, she needs kind of uh, rescuing, I guess. So, so they break her out of jail essentially to get her because they need information. The Rebel Alliance needs information about the Death Star that her father was integral to. A lot to like about this movie. It's uh, and the pacing is real good. Like I said, the acting's real good. It's nice that it's focused in a very tight way on this one objective. You get this uh, alternative sort of exposure to the elements of the Force through uh, some of these other characters who come into play. Sort of the Guardians of the Wills, I think, is uh, how it's referenced. I haven't seen the movie in maybe like a year now, so I'm probably going to mistake some of these names and stuff. But basically, Force believers, or at least one Force believer, and uh, and his accomplice. And so them, along with a sort of a former Imperial pilot, they all become embroiled in this rebellion plot to go steal the plans for the Death Star, which is located on this uh, one particular planet that the Imperials have uh, control and high security over. And so it's great because you get this Cassian Andor character too, who's like a rebel spy who's not afraid to off you know, even his own compatriots you see pretty quickly if it means that uh, his sort of spy games and stuff go unnoticed or he manages to escape you see the uh, destruction of the planet Jeddah, which they narrowly escape from. They got this great uh, robot accomplice of Cassian Endard in K2SO, I believe is the name of the robot. Fantastic. I can't remember who played that, uh, which actor played K2SO, but a, f a fantastic attitude provided a lot of the humor and then provided a, a very poignant moment at the end of the movie when they finally do steal the Death Star plans from this planet and, and confront Krennic. I, I just love everything about this movie. Like I said, it's the second best movie, in my opinion, of the new movies. Deservedly so. Now, from what I have heard, I think this is correct. They added the Vader part at the end of the movie in reshoots. That that was a very late addition that almost nobody... Uh, knew about none of the cast knew about and so forth and it's brilliant because the movie literally ends where the a new hope starts and you get this amazing couple minutes where you literally see the the you know uh the time right before a new hope started where the plans are communicated up to the Rebel Alliance ship. The Death Star actually blows up the planet. 
under Governor Tarkin, blows up the planet. All the, all the, uh, that's another sort of nice touch and a, and a nice wrap up. The whole thing is like all the main characters basically die, get blown up on the planet, having completed their mission. And then you get this nice thing where Vader, you know, f uh, goes over to the ship where the plans were beamed up to. He's confront. He confronts this awesome scene they put together where everything becomes real quiet except for the alarms going off and stuff and the the rebel uh, have they have the plans and they're you know trying to take them to their ship the ship you eventually see uh, the corvette you essentially uh, you eventually see that has the opening scene of the original Star Wars movie A New Hope they're trying to get the plans to that ship so they can get off this main ship and uh, a bunch of them have to stop there's an you know explosion or something, you hear the breathing, and then you see in the darkness this red lightsaber light up, and then Darth Vader just goes to town on these rebels. And eventually they manage to escape, but not before he carves up about a dozen or more of them, including some fantastic ones where he's using the force to pin a guy to the roof, and then he chops him in half, and then he picks the guy up, strangling him, and throws him into the wall. I mean, and some real great sword stuff sort of much more how you'd envision vader compared to a new hope when they were still trying to work out the kinks and how heavy the things they were using to for lightsabers and stuff a lot of that leads to a, a slow battle and stuff between obi-wan and vader in, in the new hope but later on when they went to the prequels and now in rogue one and some of the uh, newer movies the lightsaber battles you know sped up a lot and they're using lighter uh, devices to uh, in real time to stand in for what they later uh, CGI or computer add later. So uh, you get this great Vader scene where he the rebels escape. He's standing. He's looking at the ship flying away with the plans. They uh, put in Carrie Fisher at the end of this movie. Just one shot basically of her saying. Hope. Amazing. Looks real good. Uh, you know, they had Tarkin in this movie. Of course, the actor who played uh, Moff Tarkin, uh, Peter, his name escapes me now, Peter something. He uh, died, of course, many years ago. And uh, so they did some CGI wizardry and had an actor, of course, stand in for him. And, uh, damn, it looks pretty good, you know? Certainly some cutting-edge stuff there. So you get a Tarkin throughout the movie. He's in quite a few scenes, too. And uh, it's pretty amazing what they did in that movie with that particular character and able to sort of CGI Moff Tarkin back into when the actor has been long since been deceased. So fantastic on a number of fronts. I really loved it. I've seen that movie. Of all the newer movies, I've seen that one the second most. Like I said, I like it the second best. I've probably seen it five or six times now, I bet. Yeah, I think it, it really stands up. It really has that nice Star Wars feel where it's like feels very familiar, but it's new. You know, uh, if you're on the email list, there was maybe like a week or two ago where I 
linked a video where the guy was talking about weaponizing nostalgia, which was a sort of a film critique uh, channel on YouTube where the guy is pretty very knowledgeable about film. And he uh, goes through the Star Wars, the new Star Wars trailers and how they use old music with new scenes and stuff. And Rogue One was like the epitome of that. It had all that nice old stuff that you're kind of familiar with, yet all of it was just tweaked slightly so that it was all kind of new but felt old. And I think that's a major accomplishment to get that right. Because if it doesn't feel right, then often... It's just uh, something's missing. There's just it's just not right, and that's kind of how I feel about the movie Solo, which is the second movie I'm going to talk about here. Of course, it's all the backstory of Han Solo. One of the things that kind of uh, you know I thought it was actually a pretty good movie, especially the the first part of the movie I thought was really good as far as Star Wars movies goes. The part that's really tough, of course, is like Harrison Ford is tied so tightly to the character of Han Solo that having uh, Alden Ehrenreich, I think is his name, the actor who portrays the younger Han Solo in this movie, Solo, is perfectly good at acting. I thought he did a great job. And if this wasn't a Han Solo movie per se, and this was some new character, I think it'd be even better. Probably would have overlooked it. But the fact that he's portraying Han Solo, for me... Even though I got used to it after the first maybe, you know, five or ten minutes of the film, and I'm like, okay, let's just enjoy this film. I've never really, I think I've seen it twice. And that's probably all I'll watch it. And so, you know, that's what happens when you have these characters iconically matched to actors. Unless you have somebody that really looks like which is damn near impossible. And you're not going to CGI people in or something, which will eventually happen, of course. More so than even the, the Tarkin one from Rogue One or the or the brief scene of Leia. Um, you know, when that technology gets even better, of course, you'll be able to put whoever the hell you want in there. But uh, it just didn't work for me on that level. I th still thought the movie was a good story. You got a lot of great backstory about Han. I thought the part where Han and Chewie met, how they sort of recal, you know, uh, portrayed that was amazing. Uh, I thought they had a lot of the lines and dialogue and stuff for Han Solo right, but because it was coming out of all of Aaron Reich's mouth, it just didn't hit like it would. Now there's another actor out there, and I heard that he did get an audition to play. Han Solo. I'm not saying he would have done a better job because we don't know. But there's a guy named uh, Anthony Ingruber, I believe is his name. And if you go on YouTube and put in Anthony Ingruber Han Solo, he looks like a young Han Solo. He looks like a young Harrison Ford. He does an, a great Harrison Ford impression, which doesn't necessarily mean he does a great. He's a, you know a great actor. But then he also portrayed a young Han so or a young Harrison Ford in a movie called Age of Adeline, which is a good movie too, actually. If you haven't seen Age of Adeline, great movie. But he, this uh, Anthony and Gruber, he plays a young Harrison Ford in that movie and does it very well. He's not in it for a ton of it, really, but I thought he did a bang up job, and he he sounds like Harrison Ford and stuff too. It's pretty eerie. 
They sort of dialed back the impersonation of Harrison Ford for the, you know, when you're acting. But it's, it, when I saw that guy and I saw the sort of people uh, championing, championing him for the role of Han Solo, for the young Han Solo, I really wonder what that would have turned out like. And no offense to Alden Ehrenreich, he did a, you're in a very tough spot being put in that such an iconic role attached to Harrison Ford like that. And I thought you're gonna, he did as good probably as you could. But there's just something missing when it's not Harrison Ford. It's just, I think that movie probably would have made a better series like they're doing with The Mandalorian now on Disney+. Plus. The rest of it I thought was very enjoyable as a movie. I just think it's like with Star Wars movies, there's just certain things where if they're not quite right, it kind of takes you out of it. Don't enjoy it as much. I don't know. Solo just was kind of the movies that just was off a little bit for me. I think they seem to sort of, in my opinion, and I, I don't know this to be true because I don't know. I mean, it didn't make as much money as they were hoping from what I know. But it, it came right on the heels of The Last Jedi. It was released, I think, in May. So four, you know, five months after the last Jedi, and it's and there was a lot of controversy surrounding the last Jedi. So I don't know. I think that film got the backlash of people who didn't like Last Jedi and didn't want anyone to portray Han Solo other than Harrison Ford or whatever. But otherwise, I think if you just look at it for what it is, it's a pretty good movie. I mean, there's a lot of good action. Woody Harrelson's great in it. You get the, uh, you know, spoiler alert, you get the uh, return of Darth Maul to the big screen. At the very end, you learn about uh, Han Solo's name, his girlfriend, how she becomes sort of like a crime lord or involved in a crime syndicate, I guess, uh, done by the uh, girl who portrayed uh, Daenerys Targaryen in the Game of Thrones. Yeah, you get some fantastic moments where you see Han learn real lessons that come back to play in the movies we've already seen. You get to see him get his blaster. You know, the first part of the movie, especially when there's a, it's kind of like a heist movie, it really works. It really works pretty well. And some of the, I mean, in any of these Star Wars movies where you got these kind of budgets and you're able to put CGI and stuff, I mean, it looks really nice. I mean, it's, it's awesome. And, all that stuff is always good. Um, yeah, I mean, that's really all I have to say, I think, too much about those movies. Rogue One is just spectacular in my view. You know, all movies are kind of imperfect, but Rogue One, for what it is, really struck the right chords. And adding that Vader stuff, if that's what they did, is added it after the fact. Man, that was a master stroke. Uh, one of the things that's sort of new nowadays is reaction videos. And I like watching reaction videos when it's to, like, new movies that come out, like when The Rise of Skywalker comes out. People will uh, record audio often. Or they'll, uh, you know, eventually you'll get to see people reacting live to the actual movie. Some of that stuff's pretty cool. I like, I like watching some of that. Uh, if I have a few minutes to kick around, sometimes I'll punch in reaction to whatever, like Avengers or something, you know, and just watch people freak out on uh, 
you know, some of the uh, big plot points or whatever, uh, big reveals in the, in the Avengers, you know, Endgame, Infinity War, some of these latest ones, or some of the uh, Star Wars movies. And it's fun watching kids, actually, who are like kids now, who are seeing the original trilogy or the prequels for the first time. Like their parents are introducing them to the new movies, and you get to see their reaction, especially when they're like, you know, nine through teenagers and they find out that like Darth Vader is you know Luke Skywalker's dad it's, I mean you get these great uh, reactions so th- a lot of that stuff is cool so Rogue One I'm really behind Solo just didn't quite do it for me there were parts that I really liked I really thought the portrayal of uh, Lando Calrissian I should mention that as well was uh, really well done there's another uh, nice little thing they did too about uh, there's a Lond- uh, Lando's sort of robot friend and how you know I, I won't you should watch it of course but uh, I'm gonna leave that one I'm not gonna go into that too much but Lando's robot friend eventually has ties to the Millennium Falcon of course you get to see how the Millennium Falcon came into the ha- hands of Han Solo their relationship Han and Lando some of the things they do together. It, it, I mean, it's a decent movie. It just it just didn't it didn't quite feel Star Warsy. It felt more like a, just a great action film. They didn't really have they didn't really get those notes right, I don't think. They weren't far off, but they just didn't quite get the notes right. And I think with all the pressure surrounding some of these movies, sometimes those notes are just a little bit off. They just doesn't work you know because the 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 scrutiny and the pressure on these movies to be fantastic it's got to be just like you want to slam your head and and this movie got off to a real rocky start because originally it was supposed to be directed by this uh, tag team these two guys and then they got fired can't remember their names now but they got fired and and ron howard had to come in and sort of clean it all up and and finish the movie and so almost from the get-go it was a rocky production and so forth all the way through. And I think for what it, given those facts, I mean, they did a great job. You know, what do you think? You've seen some of these movies now? You've seen Rogue One? You've seen Solo? What do you think? You know, what's your opinion? Let me know. Send me an email. You can leave a voice message. If you go to the, uh, the home on anchor.fm. Uh, Magic from wherever I'm at podcast. There's a voice message thing. You can actually click on there and leave an actual voice message that I could just put right into the show of you asking your own questions or making your own comments. Do you love the Star Wars universe? Are you involved as I am over the years? I mean, when I was uh, thinking about this today, recording this, I just finished doing uh, 26 shows over two days at a festival and I'm recording this the night after I'm done and I'm pretty tired and you may be able to tell or not I don't know the weather uh, turned out to be very good and uh, and the crowds were very good so it turned out to be a spectacular weekend yeah let me know what you think about your Star Wars experience when I when I was that's what I was gonna say when I was uh, planning to record this tonight one of the things that dawned on me, you know, as I said in one of the other bonus episodes 
Uh, I've been involved with Star Wars since I was five. So I didn't see uh, Star Wars in the theater, but I saw Star Wars maybe like a year after it came out, year and a half maybe, maybe maybe two, no, probably more like two years after it came out. I saw it in 79, I think, because by December of 79, as I mentioned in some of the other, one of the other podcasts, bonus episodes, I had a Han Solo figure when I was five. It was 1979. Now, Empire Strikes Back did not come out until 1980. And the Han Solo character I'm holding up, and I'm going to post some of these photos uh, this week on social media. And it had uh, a medal. You know, when they won at the end of A New Hope, they got medals for saving the universe. Well, Chewie didn't get one, but Han Solo, Luke Skywalker, right? And uh, so you actually had the metal around Han Solo's neck when on this figure. And of course, in Empire Strikes Back, Han Solo wore a different uh, getup. So you know that the character is actually from Star Wars A New Hope and not Empire Strikes Back. So I saw Empire Strikes Back in the theater. I saw Return of the Jedi in the theater and, and so on and so forth. So I've been a Star Wars head now for, and it just dawned on me, for 40 years. I've almost been... Almost since the very beginning. And it is like a modern fairy tale for all people who are sort of my age. And now there's been lots of, you know, two other generations ushered in. And now more generations, of course, added on for people who are experiencing this stuff for the first time. And I think that's just fantastic. Obviously, the fandom has its ups and downs, its goods and bads, some really negative aspects, some really positive aspects. For the most part, it's great, though. People are just so crazy about Star Wars. It gets a little intense sometimes, I'm sure, for some of the people who are acting or involved in the production of the movies. It's got to be it's gotta be a little cringeworthy. But, uh, you know, when people love something and you make something and people love it, you know, it's hard to... Uh, it's hard not to have a good time with that. You know, it's... Uh, that's what you want. You want to put something out into the world. You want it to be well-received. Well and I'm really looking forward to seeing this last... Man, I am jacked up. I mean, I'm going to stay off social media. I'm recording this on Sunday night after the uh, shows I banged out this weekend. But I was watching a little bit of uh, some commentary on Star Wars uh, over dinner. I am so jacked to see this movie now. It's unbelievable. I'm going to have to, because I think the press screenings and stuff for Rise of Skywalker are actually on Monday evening. And so I'm basically just going to put a social media embargo on myself. I'm not going to, I'm going to post, a lot of my social media is uh, posted automatically. I can set it up and automate it. And I have tons of stuff created, uh, including these podcasts, which I'm sort of creating on the fly, but I've created a lot of it. A lot of the art and stuff that goes with it already and uh, just got to slap them up into the uh, anchor.fm podcast platform and so I saw a few more things today some people breaking down you know I heard one of the things I heard today was Burger King Burger King has some, I mean for for being second best at everything Burger King has some real smart people uh, working there. And what I saw today was they are taking advantage. One thing I've stayed away from for the most part 
is a lot of these leaks. They have Star Wars leaks where people have Star Wars channels where all on YouTube where all they talk about is leaked information about what the plot, what happens in this new film, blah, 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 like spoilers. And I try to stay away from all that stuff. I've heard a few things almost by accident. And it used to be, you know, my generation and pe- generations before me, if you told somebody about something that was going to happen before they got a chance to see it, like, you know, a football game or a soccer match or a film or something, you were the lowest form of life almost on the planet instantly. You would get a dressing down. You would be ostracized. And in some cases, I've seen violence, you know, wrongly. Of course, that's got a little taking a little too far. But I've seen violence inflicted on people who spoiled things for other people, like the score of a soccer match. And now that's become like a whole culture of people trying to spoil these movies and stuff ahead of time. But I think that, you know, of course, Lucasfilm, Disney, they know all this stuff. And maybe some of this stuff did, did leak out. You got that many people working on a movie. I mean, you ever seen the credits at the end of a Star Wars movie? It's like thousands and thousands of people. And they're and they're not all under the, you know, they're not all probably able to be controlled by Disney because you got third-party companies and stuff working alongside everybody, I'm sure. That's hard to control the information. But Disney's pretty shrewd. Lucasfilm and Disney, they're pretty clever. And, uh... You know, maybe they've been leaking information that's wrong or or slightly wrong or, you know, so that it doubles the impact of the actual reveals in the movie. I don't know. I guess we'll see this Friday. I just checked about tickets today. There's a lot of tickets. I'm going to go. I'm going to try to go, I think, to the 8 a.m. showing in Atlanta Friday morning. And I, I might even go twice, because I'll be going by myself, chances are. So there's a good chance I, I might stay and, and see it immediately again, or go the next day, you know, again. When I went and saw The Last Jedi, I saw it three or four times that first weekend. I was house-sitting at the time last year, so I didn't, uh, my sister and her family, I was house-sitting for them, so they were gone skiing, so there was literally no one around that I... And so it was just me and the dog. So I went and saw Last Jedi, I think, at least three times. It may have been four that first weekend. And, uh, yeah, uh, my f- sister's family will be there this time. So I'll probably only get two. And maybe the kids will want to see it, so I might get three out of it yet. But I am super pumped. And what I was going to say about Burger King, I almost forgot. So I saw today Burger King in Germany, I guess, cle- very clever marketing, They've taken these leaks that have proliferated the internet and they set up this whole marketing campaign where if people came into, they advertised that you could come into Burger King in in Germany and depending on how much you spent, you got to know more about the rise of Skywalker. That was the ploy. Now, I also found out that, that basically this is not an officially sanctioned Thing by Disney or Lucasfilm or anyone officially tied to the movie. But this is the cleverness of Burger King. Knowing the, the fervor surrounding this leaking of information, these spoilers, all the controversy left over from The Last Jedi, which uh, a lot of, of the uh, negative 
part of the Star Wars fandom. You know, it was like a hue and cry from all those people. Burger King, very shrewd, taking advantage of this. And uh, they did this whole, there's a whole uh, commercial where people are, you know, people dressed up as Princess Leia and stuff are going in there. And then they're, you know, if you buy this combo uh, Whopper with the fries, you get to know what happens to Kylo Ren or <laughs> whatever. Very good marketing. Created a sensation, obviously, because it hit the internet and it's just gone viral and everyone's talking about it. I clicked on YouTube tonight to have dinner and stuff. I mean, it was all over the place. So people were talking about it, making videos about it. So, I mean, good for Burger King. You know, uh, they do a lot of things right, despite the fact that they're in second place to McDonald's usually. They do a lot of things right. They take advantage, and they, and just, they have a more fun brand, I would say, in my opinion. So good good for you, Burger King. So check it out. If you get a, a chance, punch in Germany, Rise of Skywalker or something, you'll see some of these videos, I'm sure. And here we are. I talked about Rogue One. I talked about Solo. And that brings to the end, bonus episode number three. And I'll be back tomorrow with another episode as we move an inch day at a time closer to release of the final film in the Skywalker saga, The Rise of Skywalker. Until tomorrow.